Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris, and I'm here again with Patrick. Greetings. Elizabeth. Hey. And Stephen. Hello. And it's a very special day for us because we are using for the first time our Every Horror Movie on Netflix coffee mugs, which were printed for us by an excited fan. They have our logo on one side. And are personalized with each of our names on the other. Very exciting. And when you say excited fan, like, uh, someone literally ran up to us on the street and, like, handed us these mugs. Like, they were so stoked. Yeah, they, they found, my, they they found my home address. The <laughs> fan did not speak English. Was it Jay? No. <laughs> I would have brought Jay on. Just, just to keep us safe from that mirror. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what did we watch this week? What did we watch this week? Well, we watched a lot of stuff this week. We watched ABCs of Death 2. But I say we watched a lot of stuff because ABCs of Death 2 is an anthology movie. So we actually watched 26 movies, one for each letter of the alphabet. That's right. It's a really cool concept because 26 different directors were solicited for their work. They each wrote a short, well, wrote and directed a short film based on a given letter of the alphabet and in that film someone dies in a manner that goes with that letter right guys that pretty much sums it up and this is an international film as well i mean we have directors from all over the world a lot of different different perspectives different different languages techniques there's some animation in there claymation and hand-drawn animation it's a very diverse set of shorts it's kind of like being at a film festival you know i've i've gone to some college student film festival stuff like that and you just sit down and there's one thing and then the next thing and the next thing and before you know it two hours have passed yeah and these films aren't related to each other in any way shape or form no way at all no the actors the setting the language nothing is related the one thing they share in common is a general setup right so we we get the film typically someone dies at the end it's the abcs of death and then it's the letter, the title of the film is revealed at the end as sort of a punchline. I like that. I like that. And also, the films all begin and end with the color black. Mm-hmm. So, they do things like, oh, it's we're pulling out of the shadow of a gramophone or something. And then at the end, it's like, oh, we're zooming in on this black thing on the floor. And I didn't actually realize that I was like one on of the that. stipulations, but that's sort of interesting now that I'm thinking back on some of them, how they how they worked with that. Yeah, there's a lot of shorts that begin or end with like a weird close-up just yeah. to bring the color like into Like one it. zooms in on a guy's dick, fade to black. That's true. His his pubic His lack hair. Of dick. Pubic yeah, hair. he doesn't have a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's cool. It's super cool because one of the most fun things to do during this movie is to guess what the um you know what letter it's going to be because it is in order, but you don't know what type of what they're going to quote unquote die from. So for like A, they could die from an assassin or killer ants or whatever, and you're trying to guess as the film goes on. Well, the letter isn't always what they die from, is it? No, it doesn't no. always correspond with the death, but, but it, it corresponds yeah. with like what maybe what leads up to it. Or like the, right. circumstances. the circumstances. The circumstances. Yeah, exactly. The circumstances. Uh, but well, sometimes they'll mislead you a little bit, too. Like, you know, you, it might be uh, D, 
as in dog, and there might be a large, vicious dog, but then turns out there's, like, dynamite, and they get killed by dynamite yeah, instead they at the liked, last minute. I like the ones that did that. Yeah. yeah. As you might have guessed, this is a sequel to ABCs of Death 1, which is called The ABCs of Death. And why didn't we watch that? Because it starts with a T. So ABCs of Death? We're going to watch it in, like, ten years. It's called The ABCs of Death. So it's sorted farther down the alphabet, and because there's no real continuity between that film and this film, we didn't see it as a prerequisite for the discussion of this film. But I did, because I go above and beyond for our listeners. I did watch it, so I can weigh in a little bit on the differences between that one and this one, and which one you should watch. I have some questions for you. I have questions, Um, too. So the first film has a reputation for being very crude. Is that true? Like, does it seem cruder than this film? Because I heard that the directors for this film were all had to like basically sign an affidavit that they wouldn't have any burp or fart jokes or people or shorts based on purely sexual scenarios. Oh, crude like, in the sense of like Adam Sandler's ABCs of Death, not like crudely made. Well, probably both. I don't okay. know, but Chris can speak. Wow, to that. that is fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. I can answer that with one word: Japan. These, these are cultural journeys. There's 26 directors from all parts of the world. And there are like three shorts in ABCs of Death 1 that are made by Japanese directors. They're Japanese films. And I don't think it's too ethnocentric to say they have a different way of approaching things in Japan sometimes. And there's a short where like there's some schoolgirls who like die by huffing each other's farts. <laughs> and... The last... What letter is that? That is F for fart. (laughs) (laughs) She ends up being sucked into another girl's anus at the end and is like clowning around inside, surrounded by the farts. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And then it ends with a short... The last short in ABC's of Death 1 is a Japanese short again, and it's just nudity everywhere the most insane stuff you've ever seen someone has her breasts drawn with the twin towers on one and a plane on the other and she's jiggling them together to to represent 9-11 that is the most amazing thing i've ever heard and you sent me a video of that and i was delighted and wanted to watch it i'm gonna watch it so yeah i think i think that's why they implemented that rule because they do say that the directors had complete creative control and i think they received the films and they're like well we have to put these in like there wasn't any do-overs. but we also have to take back creative <laughs> but also, because because you mentioned sex there is oh in the first abc's of death oh is for orgasm and it's like this extended scene of a woman in some sort of passion and it's very abstract and very like you know like very extreme macro close close-ups of her like getting goosebumps and stuff and it's a very artistic in very good taste scene so like top gun like the sex scene in that i actually haven't seen top gun neither have i well i'm curious then does this film abc's cool. of death 2 seem cool. more mature <laughs> than the first one it seems more mature and it seems more boring the production values are a little bit better in this one there's more consistency in tone in this one. There's less international flavor, I think. Like, there were s- many films in the first one that had subtitles. This one only has, like, a couple. Mm, that's, like, five right. or six. There's a Nigerian film. There's, there's several Israeli Japanese, film. Israeli. Yeah. I would say at least five. Diverse enough for me. Diverse yeah. enough for you, yeah. Well, let's remember that we did watch ABCs of Death, too, so... Yeah. And, and ABC's of Death 2, according to the internet, has a much better reception and better reviews than this one. Although I like the first one better. So, 
since we're going to save, I think, more of the, the plot discussions of these films for when we get into spoiler stuff later, um, how, how did everybody feel about this film overall? Like, how did you feel about watching this anthology? How did it, how did it strike you? Well, I like what Chris said about it feeling like, you know, you're at a film festival. One thing, because the quality dips here and there in this film, there are some films where clearly, like, the director put a little of his own money into it, or her own money to make it. Are there any female directors in this? Yes. There are? Okay, good. <laughs> um, some of them, like, feel much more well-rounded and well-put-together, more thoughtful than others. But I, what kept coming up in my mind, because I think, like, the first third of this is really rough, and I didn't know how I was going to make it through the rest of the film. I was thinking a lot of these are newer directors who haven't made a feature. So what I had in my mind was, you know, I was approaching this from the level of like, would I want to seek out this director's work? Like, would this, would any of these films work as like a calling card for a film festival for this person to get more work or get a feature? And as the film went on, there were quite a few more that I felt like did have that quality um, that were surprising that had, you know, a, that seemed like fresh visions that I haven't seen before. Yes. So overall, it was a pretty taxing experience. Um, but I think it, <laughs> it was a lot more fun toward the end. I found that like the last maybe five or six uh, sketches were of a much higher quality than the rest of the film for me. Yeah. How did you guys think the quality held up throughout the film? I mean, I think that there were dips. Like there were certainly some where I was like, oh, that one was pretty rough. But I thoroughly enjoyed this experience and just the best thing about this is yeah if there is a rough one it's four minutes long and then you can watch the next one so like yeah there were a couple where i was like that i didn't get that or like clearly i could have filmed that with my phone but like it was only maybe four or five out of the whole movie and like then it was over and there was a sweet one next so that was awesome yeah i really enjoyed that too i mean it's just you know if you get bored or annoyed with something it's gone in the next five minutes get Um, up go to the bathroom get some ice cream come back it's impossible to get bored almost i think how could you get bored it went way faster than i thought it was going to especially because it was a two-hour film and i was like wow that's a lot of shorts i guess but i mean there's a ton of credits on it too but it went super fast for me there there definitely was a deader stretch kind of sort of early in the second half of the whole thing but in general i was actually really surprised i expected the whole thing to be a lot shittier than it was this is one of the only two hour movies that we've watched so far usually the movies we've been watching on netflix are 90 minutes well this had 25 minutes of credits oh did it was it that much yeah wow Wow. Well, yeah, just because there's so many films, you have to list so much personnel between 20 and 25 so this is at most an hour and 40 minutes Hmm. because i remember looking and there was half hour left and I was like, whoa, aren't we on, like, X? And then... Yeah, I noticed that. that as well, and I was kind of relieved. Because, I don't know, it was fun, but it also was a little exhausting to me. Because it's not like... I mean, because you're resetting after every film, and suddenly... Like, you're taking in a lot of information. Um, you're being asked to stretch your imagination pretty far in some cases. And, you know, I took a couple of breaks, for sure. I don't want to harp on the diversity, but, like, I just loved that. I thought it was so cool there's really elements of these other cultures that come out in these short films that are awesome, especially a couple of the Japanese ones. And there was one from Nigeria, which I didn't understand, but like, I feel like a Nigerian person probably would have understood it better. And I didn't, it seemed like some sort of legend or something. And there was a couple ones and like the Israeli one was awesome. I really liked that one. And they're speaking in Israeli and it's this, well, we can get into it later, but I thought it was the cultural diversity was a really cool aspect. 
Yeah, and how, I mean, how often do you see anything from Nigeria, a film? Mm. Right. Well, apparently yeah. they have their own film industry, Nollywood, they call it. And I guess wow. it's all this kind of like low budget, you know, like handheld video shot stuff. But we could talk more about that short in particular later in the show when we get into a little more detail about these things. But I had some, some mixed feelings, but it was cool. I, I had no idea yeah. that there were Nigerian filmmakers right. at all. Right. I didn't like that short, but it was interesting to see. I mean, most of the problems with this compilation are just kind of problems inherent with the format where you're going to have some that are better than others you're going to have some that are bad and also they're all short so yeah you're not going to get invested in the characters too much in most of them well well, and especially just because of people's varying tastes like you're not going to watch 26 films and like all of them you know 26 films from different directors and writers no one's going to watch that and enjoy every one of them you know right and like you just Patrick just judged a film festival that I was helping put on and uh one of the films had a series of shorts and they all ended with someone getting shot and your rather astute comment on that was that it seems like a lost opportunity because there were a lot of creative ideas but they were brought to the same kind of obligatory someone gets shot ending mm. and that's kind of the same problem that's in this movie because everything ends with a death and there's seems like a lot of these movies end with just someone going fucking crazy like um, okay, there's the death now. I wouldn't say they all end in death. I don't think that's yeah, true. Yeah, I don't think... I think there, you guys there are multiple resurrections. Um, I mean, there are a lot that end with death, but I think you guys... I, I, yeah, well, I, they don't all end with death. But <laughs> I think they mo- there's like a two lot I can do. think of that don't end with death. But there is a lot, more than I would like to see anyway, where it's the death is brought about by just someone going insanely batshit. Right, like taking bath salts yeah. in one instance. Yeah. The guy takes bath salts or... Well, actually, like, that's yeah. an example of one that didn't end. Oh, no, that ended. Someone just flips out. Yeah. 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 That's spoiler. Meh. What did you guys think of the way... I thought it was really charming, the old-fashioned school marm little yeah i love the opening credits i thought it was like even though it's gross i thought i thought it was super cute actually it was super cute in a morbid way yeah the opening credits are like an animated like a victorian pop-up book and there's like something gruesome happening on on each page like kids are playing catch with a decapitated head or they're jumping rope with intestines yeah yeah (laughs) and then each the the intertitles between each uh segment there's like an old victorian school marm who's like pointing to the title of each film and she's like a skeleton. She's a skeleton. A skeleton. Yeah. yeah, but that's it's right. so cute. I just thought that was so darling. It's yeah. cute. It's well done, and it's better than in the first movie. They just had like alphabet blocks kind of floating, so mm. it was a significant improvement. Mm. Oh, well, one thing that I think we can mention without talking too specifically about the films is there's some pretty, uh, maybe not well-known names, but there's definitely some big talent here. Uh, Rodney Asher, who did the Room 237 documentary about mm. uh, people who are obsessed with The Shining, uh, and also he did the one about sleep paralysis, The Nightmare. He's in this. Oh. Uh, Julian what did he? Which one did he direct? He did, oh, Q is for Questionnaire. One of my favorites. Oh. That was a good one. Yeah. Okay. Probably my favorite. Oh, interesting. I did not like that I didn't one. like that one. But yeah, well, the but yeah, Julian Barrett. Julian Barrett about to say, uh, yeah, from Mighty Boosh and Mindhorn, and you know he directs and stars in. It. I didn't think his segment was very good, but he's a comforting Which one presence. Did he do? I love that one. That was the Badger one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, there were a couple other people as well. Oh, so El Katz was in this as well. He directed Cheap Thrills, um, just kind of a horror, not horror, but kind of a violent revenge comedy sort of thing. The Israeli film, those guys directed a movie called Big Bad Wolves that Tarantino produced that hmm. I haven't seen, but apparently it's a, a pretty interesting thriller with some kind of social and 
political elements as well, like this short film they did for this movie. Interesting. So it's not all just, you know, up and coming directors. Some of these people have some pretty high profile work out there. Oh, and Bill, uh, Bill I think his name is Bill Plimpton, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah directed uh, the DeLoused segment. Or no, the Kiss. Mm-hmm. The Kiss segment. K for Kiss, was that what that was called? Or no? H for Head Games. Is H, it for, H, H for Head Games, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. I just couldn't help thinking throughout this whole movie how much Edward Gorey would have like loved this. <laughs> it was, I don't know if you guys... Steve, you have to know Oh, big Gorey. fan, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, who is it? Um, he's a writer and mostly illustrator who just did really like humorous but macabre art and books and stuff and he had a whole abc he had a, he wrote a book abcs of death yeah the gashley come gashley crumb tinies yeah right? and they it was little um poems of like how people died in various ways it's all children it's right? all children yeah. dying in like falling down the stairs and stuff like that and it's but it's it's witty and funny and he i feel would have delighted in this movie chris you've probably seen his work on he animated the uh title sequence to is it masterpiece theater or no murder on on pbs on right yes yeah. mystery i think it's called mystery mystery with that's an exclamation what point, yeah. Yeah. Exclamation point. Yeah. i'm actually not familiar you would recognize his work okay. he's yeah. he's he's great While we're talking i'll pull some up really quick well, I wonder how this sort of ABC concept would work if it were just like one auteur director doing 26. Dude, it would be terrible. Yeah, segments. I don't think you'd really want to see that. I wouldn't want to see that. I mean, I, for some reason, I'm thinking Tarantino, probably because Tarantino came up a minute ago, and I'm thinking about Tarantino that doing would, that 26 would get shorts. Old. That, yeah, would that would get, get old. old, yeah. It would just be so much blood. <laughs> yeah. I would watch Darren Lynn Bowsman's ABC. Oh, of death. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> No, one thing that's interesting about a movie like this, typically with an anthology movie, I'm thinking of the classics, you know, Trilogy of Terror, Trick or Treat, Creepshow. It was a collaborative effort, or it was one writer who was, you know, making four or five films. Maybe there were different directors, but like even John Carpenter's one, Bag of Bones, I think he wrote them all and he brought in somebody else to direct one of them. And it's weird that even those are mixed bags, because it is one vision, you know, usually some a director that we're familiar with from other work, and they still don't feel cohesive. So I thought it was interesting that with this film, not only are these made by separate directors, but they had total creative control. They could do whatever they wanted. I don't know who produced this, who put it together, but they could have had no idea what was actually going to get delivered to them in the end. And I yeah. think that's kind of fascinating. I don't know. I mean, if anyone knows about the production process and how these films were actually you know, financed and submitted, please speak up, because I don't. But in the first ABCs of Death, there's a segment that's kind of a meta segment about where the filmmakers are playing themselves, and they're lamenting the fact that they have Q for their letter, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they make a reference to, like, we have $6,000 to do this thing. So it seemed to me like, I don't know. There was, like, an overarching funding or something? The impression I got was, like, there's an application, and then they, like, gave every director, like, 6000 bucks. Yeah, it couldn't have been a lot of money. I was thinking, yeah, anywhere between like two and ten thousand per per feature. But for this one, they, I mean, again, because I mentioned that some of these are not big names, but people who have you know at least five or six IMDb feature credits, they must have been sought out by the producers. I don't know, was it Draft House Films that put this together? Yeah, does that sound right? That's what it said at the beginning. Okay. Yeah, so they must have had a list of people that they wanted to. The first film, even though it was critically maligned and uh, had too many farts for most people's taste in it uh clearly made some money and they knew that they could afford to do another one well the uh first one had some impressive directors in it too there was your favorite ben wheatley my boy yeah who actually had a very strong segment so it made me a little bit more interested in watching kill list jesus christ 
Um, I'd like to have one episode where we don't mention Killis. <laughs> and then Not gonna happen. <laughs> one of my favorite like smaller horror directors, Ty West, has a bit. Oh yeah, yeah, I like mm. him. Um, although bit. he like put in the bare minimal effort. His was M for miscarriage and oh. it was literally like a woman like flushing a toilet and that was it. So it's like 20 seconds? It's like 30 to 40 seconds and it's I, the title card is basically just the punchline and wow, kind of disappointing. And then Xavier Gens or Jens was also in it. He's a French director who did the first Hitman movie in 2007, which was terrible, but it's, I think it was only terrible because Fox like made their own version of the movie after he was finished. He said that there's like another version of that movie on his computer. But he had a pretty good... He had a really great segment. <laughs> what an absurd excuse. <laughs> Come over. There's the real version in my Oh, house. I would do it 100%. That happens all the time, actually. Especially in horror. Like, studios chop shit up so much that, like, all these directors... Like, John Carpenter probably has alternate versions of most of his movies at his house. Especially Fox. That's why director's cuts exist. Well, I would really like to talk about some of the specifics of these movies. So can we can we review and then jump into the the real shit here? Yeah. So uh, Patrick, would you uh, cue it, view it, or screw it? I would definitely view it. This might be the strongest view it, and I I'm surprised even to say this, but this might be my strongest view it that I've had so far. Even stronger than 1920 London Fear Strikes Again. Shocking. It was, it was just a a really fun experience for me and very diverse as we've discussed already and a few of these just really blew my mind and were something I had never seen before really really enjoyed it despite the fact that there are some serious clunkers in here as well but overall it's worth it hmm. Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Uh, I would this is my strongest view it also Wow. Um, I've had so much fun watching this I'm gonna watch the first ABCs of death on my own time I thought it was so fun so engaging I was not bored there were a couple of the segments that weren't great but it was just like going to a film festival and it was honestly so fun like it was a fun experience there's just the right amount of humor just the right amount of gore just the right amount of irony I would say view it you should totally watch and some surprisingly emotional moments too. and some yeah some really poignant yeah moments as well yeah um, I would say cue it. I, I had some fun with it. it. I also I say cue it because it's been in my queue since 2015, and I'm I'm glad I watched it. Again, it's a very very mixed bag, as the cliche goes for anthology films. But there's some really strong work here. Uh, maybe uh, when we get into more detail, I can recommend a list of five specific shorts, or at least a few five that you should maybe avoid. But it's worth your time if you run out of stuff to watch, or you want something that you don't really have to get too invested in, or you could watch in pieces. Go for it. Well, guys, I don't want to be a pretentious fuck, but I say screw it. <laughs> what the fuck? I say screw it in favor of the first ABCs of Death, which I would give a cue it to. Well, we're not reviewing the first ABCs of Death. I know, but if, <laughs> but if you're interested in this kind of anthology, if you're interested in the ABCs of Death concept, this is actually against the like consensus that's online. But in my book, the first ABCs of Death was more entertaining. I watched both of these movies with my friend. He thought the first one was also more entertaining. And yeah, it's interesting, but like, meh. I wouldn't want to watch most of these segments again. The first one, I think, is a more fun uh, fun and varied experience. See, that surprises me because all you've told us about the first one is that there's like a miscarriage with a woman flushing a toilet for 40 seconds and like girls farting. Well, again, we're not reviewing the first That's one. That's true. I would, I'm just surprised because everything you'd said about it so far sounded pretty shitty. 
Yeah. No. Um, Gas bag jokes, Chris. Is this what entertains you? These <laughs> no, those. Well, that's the thing. Okay, so actually, that's the point because uh, I talked about this with my friend last night. The bad entries in the first ABCs of Death are so bad that they just make you say, "What the fuck was that?" They they really kind of fascinate you, and they're really like spectacularly bad. There's a, the bad entries in ABCs of Death too are just boring. Yeah, I can see that. I that's can't. true. I can't compare the first, but there were quite a few that I was bored by. But then again, it's three, four minutes max, and you're out. Like, I never want to watch, like, there's one in the first one that's like a cartoon that was made by a French director of, like, a woman trying to flush her number two down the toilet, and it won't go, and it bounces off the walls, and it eventually kills her. Okay? <laughs> that sounds delightful. It was a horrible segment, but it was so <laughs> bad that it was, like, fascinating that this was a thing and that someone would, would make this thing. Was that P for poop? N for number two. The, the fact that he's looking it up means probably. F for feces. It was called K for klutz. Because the woman was klutzy, I guess. Because she, yeah, she's so klutzy she can't even flush K it. K for caca. <laughs> so I guess, you know, the, in the first one for me, the, the highs were higher and the lows were lower. And then this one was just more consistent quality, but it all was kind of boring to me with a few exceptions, which we will talk about. Great. Sweet. Can't wait to come back. Yeah, so um, coming up, S is for spoilers. So, (laughs) how did I not see that coming? So, if you don't want to be spoiled, tune out now or go with us, and we will be talking about some of these segments in a bit more detail. Stay close. Also, they were totally fart jokes in this movie, so their affidavit didn't work. (laughs) People snuck them in. (laughs) (laughs) They did the... Just slipped them in there. Silent but deadly. It was a cheek sneak. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're back. We're going to talk about these movies in a little more detail, I think. Um, First, why don't we talk about our favorites? Elizabeth. Yeah, what was your... Oh, I... Yes, I will happily start. Yeah. My... Okay, my favorite um, little uh, short was K is for Nell, which was... Interesting. ...really creepy to me. Um, a girl is painting her toenails, and she hears a strange noise outside her window, looks, and the apartment building across the way has this mysterious, dark shape hovering over it sort of rotating spherically and all of a sudden every person in the apartment building across the way kills someone and then they all notice her watching on her balcony and they all simultaneously turn and they're illuminated in the background by the lights from their own apartments and they look at her she goes into her own apartment and is hiding because she knows that something's wrong and blah 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 anyway the sort of blackness starts to seep under her door and ultimately kills her and it was super creepy and there's no speaking at all there's just this like subtle ringing of a bell a knell if you will also i liked head games which was animated and started with two people kissing and then their body parts attacked each other that was sweet that was awesome (laughs) yeah that was the bill plimpton one um who's done I don't know much about him, but I recognize his style. He's done quite a few I animated films over the years. The Plimp Tunes guy, which he's not. Like oh, Plimp Tunes is, is a famous that? thing. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Well, what was your guys' favorites? 
I, well, I can well, we can we talk about those two? Yeah, let's discuss. Or, yeah, let's talk about. Like, yeah. So, like number one, am I remembering this correctly? It's all men killing their like significant others in the building across, and she also like menstruates, and it it like combines with the black force that's coming under the door. And I don't know what the point there was, but I found it kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. She started bleeding. She started bleeding from several orifices. I thought it was just from between her legs. Well, there is a part where it's very clearly coming from between her legs. legs, But before that, I forget. I think it it starts coming out of her eyes eyes and her mouth, too. But there is a point where, yeah, it does clearly come from between her legs. Yeah, there was a lot to unpack in that. I just thought it was really creepy. It was creepy, that, like, inky, like, moon thing swirling over the apartment building. And then everyone kills themselves, and they all look at her. It was it was effective, yeah. It was it, it felt like it was it felt psychologically powerful to me, but I wasn't really sure what it was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I have a problem with the ones that are kind of more abstract. I liked the beginning a lot, but then it was like that. It culminated with something black just kind of seeping in under the door was a disappointment. Yeah. I felt like it aspired to be sort of like a sexual awakening metaphor, but not clear. I don't really know what that one was about. But it did. It was really stylish, and it did creep me out. Yeah. I just thought I loved the symbolism of, like, death is coming for you. Like, you heard your death now, and then she's, like, trying to avoid it, and it's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was memorable. I'll say that. It, it, it was confusing. It felt confusing to me. It felt like I wasn't sure that the filmmaker knew what the intent of the thing was but it felt it was creepy it was memorable and the animation head games oh did so sweet nothing for me what? I, I really i didn't like it at all i got up and got ice cream halfway through it i'm with chris it didn't do anything for me i was excited to see bill plimpton who i just remember seeing some of his shorts on tv or something as a kid he's got this distinctive style that's really scratchy and energetic but i was like i don't know it, it just didn't feel like it belonged I thought it was awesome. None of them really feel like they belong. Every single film is a different thing, and I loved how distinct it felt from everything else, and this, the weird sense of humor it had. It yeah. was it was very gory, but in its I mean, like these people way. start making out, and then all of a sudden they start like their eyeballs pop out and turn into like dive bombing planes and like start like warfare. Yeah, there's out. warfare on each other's I don't know. heads. It felt like a little. It I don't was know. Hilarious. It seemed like Taylor Swift or something. Like what are you talking oh, about? Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, like oh, love is a war. No, <laughs> no. I thought it was just hilarious. No, it had way more. I sense thought it was a little more. I mean, a, a UFO <laughs> fucking flies out of the woman's hair and yeah. like hovers over the dude's head and is Dropping like beaming bombs. into his head. Like, you can't take that seriously. I mean, you can't take Roadrunner and Coyote seriously, but... <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, it didn't emotionally involve me. It's just a whole bunch did, of random cartoony shit happening. Did you think that the point of Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote was also love is a war? <laughs> love is a battlefield. <laughs> Steven, what was your favorite? I think they saved the best for last. Zia's for Zygote mm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Agree. I cannot wait to see what this director does next. I mean, this had the quality of a feature film. It felt very... Some of these are... Um, they feel more just like very quick jokes. And I think Nell was one that I really did respond to, like, viscerally, but it didn't feel like a complete story. Zygote feels like a full story. Yeah. Like, you can make an entire film out of this compressed into, like, three or four minutes. So, it's basically, a woman is, like... She's you know nine months pregnant. She's ready to ready to deliver at any moment, but her husband has to leave, and she insists that he be there for the birth. So he gives her this strange root that is supposed to keep the baby inside her until he returns. Yeah, well, he Fast goes to forward. get the midwife. 
Oh, is that what he's doing? Yeah. So fast forward 13 years, and this woman still has a, not a baby anymore, a but a 13 year old living inside of her, and she has just run out of the root. And so what ends up And happen- she talks to it. Yeah. <laughs> There's Sorry. this horrifying, like, human sized, just teenager sized lump that is her belly now. <laughs> Right, and um, so she's run out of the route, and she she still wants to keep her promise that she's not going to deliver the baby until her husband arrives, so her child has an answer. Her child basically says, like, I got this, and just, like, shoves all of his or her, the gender is unclear, uh, bones and organs out of her and just assumes her mother's, his or her mother's skin, and the husband comes home and has no idea that what he's actually looking at is his child in his mother's body. It had the quality of, like, a, like the darkest of Grimm's fairy tales to me. It felt like, um, I like this writer, Angela Carter, who is kind of a feminist icon, and she updated a lot of the classic fairy tales with a feminist perspective in a book called The Bloody Chamber. And this felt like it could have been ripped right from that. I thought it was amazing. And there's that horrifying scene where the like bones and organs are all being pushed out of the mother's mouth. It's disgusting. So visceral. I loved that one, too. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but it was very well done. And, yeah, it did feel like a complete story. Question, though. Is there any way to interpret the events of that other than literally? Because I thought perhaps... Like, what does the husband say when he gets back? Like he's it, like, sorry, it took so long. He, no, he's like, yeah. She's like, oh, you're back. And he's like, do I look that different? Yeah. But it, he's so casual that I don't believe he was actually gone 13 years. Oh, you think that like that's how it feels to a pregnant woman? I feel like all that we see of her writhing on the floor with the 13-year-old baby is more of like an anxiety thing and that she's actually just there. Well, that's why I say it has the quality of a fairy tale, because I think we are meant to take it literally, but clearly it's a metaphor for something. I mean, I'm never going to give birth, so I don't know what that feels like, or what your relationship with your husband is like when that's going on. But I mean, he went to go get the midwife, that's clear in the beginning, and he comes back without any midwife. So either that's a lapse in the short film, or I think it's not a metaphor. Are we positive that he leaves to fetch the midwife? Okay. I missed that. So I'll take your word he for it. He says that. But then he doesn't come back with the midwife, and there's no, no mention of the midwife. There's no mention. He's just like, well, we'll have to try for another baby. And he's super casual. Yeah, so that's so the, the ending made me feel like maybe everything wasn't as it appeared throughout that short. It was interesting. It, I, I don't know. It felt pretty literal to me in that fairy tale kind of way Steve is describing. That was how I read it. Right, literal, but meant to be taken as a very over-the-top metaphor. Yeah. I mean, he might have been gone for an hour, but in that moment of pain, that's how she felt. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and even saying, because she says, I don't know, like he says, we'll have to try for another baby. Because she says to him, I'm sorry I tried to wait for you, but I had to cut it out. Because mm-hmm. she like has to cut off her like stretched out oh, stomach. Oh, and sew herself, and sew herself, herself. together. Like, it looks like a C-section star. Yeah. And he says... Oh, we'll just have to try for another. And she says, well, I don't know if I can. And I feel like that's how many women do feel after, like, giving birth. Like, I can't go through this again. <laughs> so, Or after miscarrying. Or after miscarrying, I think yeah. would be the, the analogy there, yeah. The shot where she's just, like, dumping out the bucket of guts in the middle of the field. <laughs> Damn. Oh my god, at one point she she's like crawling on the floor because she's got this like 13 year old inside oh of her. Oh my god. And she's like trapping animals. She traps a cat and cooks it at one point oh. and Dude, tells, tells so, her child it's that it's a rabbit. Every it's a good thing about rabbit. horror. It's all the things I like about horror and nothing that I don't like. And there's awesome. magic too, you know, you've got this house in the woods with this weird sort of root that like, how in the world, why would that even exist? 
even in a fantasy world i don't know just I the just thought angelic cool. voice of the child speaking from I, within this horrible like i'm getting too big mama yeah <laughs> man okay. memorable uh, grim's fairy tale is a good way to look at that one so chris what was your favorite after careful consideration, I think I have to go with D is for D Louse. Yes. Uh, wait, what was that again? That what was, was your that second was, choice? That was the other animation oh, one. That was a stop motion short where there's like, I mean, shit. I don't even know what happened. The fuck. But yeah. it was it was gruesome. It was terrifying. It was hilarious. It was imaginative. It was well animated. There's decapitations. There's a giant, like, there's fucking a giant louse. That, I guess it's a louse. Where they're throwing heads into its butt to feed it. Yeah, it was very... So it, it, I wouldn't say it was abstract, because it was all, like... It was easy to follow. I don't know to what end. I don't know what the point was, but it was <laughs> yeah. fun to go on that journey. I just, like, really didn't know what was going to happen next. It, just, it was my, incredibly fun. My brain was flipping like a pancake during that one. Yeah. I had to cover my eyes for some of that one because I am so scared of bugs. It was not the one to watch if you don't like bugs. I love that, uh, that whole horrifying short, the bugs were the worst for you. <laughs> they were. <laughs> the bugs, the cockroaches, that huge, la- oh, my God. It, it seemed like it was hinting at, a larger story like there was a universe you know that was established and that this short was playing out in i kind of felt like that too like it was just like ripped out of a larger film but still stands on its own yeah you don't really understand the motivations of anybody or what's going on but it was it was so much fun oh man as we just get more into this i just continue to be so delighted by this whole movie the thing that stood out to me about that one the word that comes to mind for that whole short is just moist like, all the figures were fucking, like, moist. They were constantly slick. moist yeah. and yeah. slick. And there were these gross, like, slurpy sound effects for everything that was happening. It was just, you were just like, ugh. It was just... It was so Well, because fun. often Ooh. when you're talking about stop motion, you're talking about things that aren't wet. You know, clay and yeah. models and stuff. It's very I rare. I think always when I'm talking about stop motion, I'm talking about things that are not wet. I think that's usually the main... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a thing to say. Well, yeah. But, but I know but, what you mean. It feel, Everything feels very sterile. It, yeah, and, but it's so... Everything in this movie, even though it's stop motion, is so slimy and... and yeah. The, that was fascinating. The figures were just, like, so roughly designed. Um, the art design of it was amazing. Like, the little sets were really strikingly put together it reminded me it was it was super lynchy and it reminded me a lot of david lynch the villains kind of look like the the one ugly cenobite in hellraiser i thought the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah great film great film patrick what was your favorite i think i'm gonna ha- i was i was super down with uh Loust and i was super down with zygote but i think i'm gonna go with lie for youth my jaw <gasps> my number two that was great my jaw was just literally hanging open for so much of this i think it's a japanese short it right is. Yeah. yes told from the perspective of this teenage girl who has like pretty disengaged uh, abusive parents and basically just sort of like pouring out her, her problems with her parents and basically it's all inside her head in this extremely graphic fantasy where she sort of envisions sort of all the things she hates about her parents basically consuming them so her dad plays guitar all the time and at one point like this huge guitar just like erupts out of his throat and basically like breaks his back it's all these like really really graphic and really inventively realized uh, depictions of her parents just meeting gruesome ends. The mom always feeds her fast food so like Mayor McCheese basically has sharp teeth and eats her. 
Right, yeah, there's, there's like a, yeah. a and it turns into like a vacuum made of French fries that then turns into a penis and yeah. like shoots yeah. like giant sperm all over her that seep into her pores. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this before. Well, no. listen, if you want to watch some giant penises and all that stuff from Japan, ABCs check out, of check death. out the first ABCs. Of death. I'm gonna be checking it out because it really feels like going inside the mind of an angry teenager and just everything you fantasize about. You know, like fucking mom feeding me fast food again i wish a giant burger would come and eat her except it i don't know i'm i'm almost trivializing it because it's not that dumb it all feels like very real and very personal and, yeah. and very angry you know um it's not it's not funny i didn't laugh no i thought it was hilarious funny. i was horrified i didn't think it was funny but i thought say, it was meant to be played for mm, comedy on some level no, no really yeah i, don't I didn't get so. that at all i didn't get that which is kind of strange because yeah the visuals are crazy but for somehow the mood throughout even though you're seeing a giant cheeseburger eat somebody and that's funny it wasn't funny it's it's very i think why is for youth is a great description of it because are her parents like terrible no they're not beating her but like they are neglectful and not very aware of her wants and needs and like when you're 14 like you just hate like that's the worst thing you know did anyone die in that movie no no, I nope. think that was yeah, Only in definitely her mind. all in her head. Okay. Because at the end, she does, like, scream and run at the brother or the father or whatever with her fists up. So it, it would be another example of a movie where, like, oh. That was actually still crazy. in her mind. At the end, she flips them off and just says, I'm not going. Because they want her to go run errands for them. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So, I mean, you know, as much as we want to stay positive on this podcast, what was our least favorite? Do we want to throw in some honorable mentions at all? I have a couple, I, one question, well, I think we can answer that question, but I have a specific image from this movie that, like, I can't get out of my head from one of these shorts. Did any of you have any of that that stuck with you at all from any of these? Not any of the good ones. Okay. Well, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a good one. Yeah. Um, the one that I totally forgot about that is probably the most baffling thing in this is the P is for PPPP scary. Oh, what yeah. the that fuck that? Oh, that was that? so, that should not have been allowed in. I didn't understand. That was one that, similar to um, DeLaus that felt like it was like pulled from another universe, and it's a universe I don't want to spend any time in. Yeah, it felt like we were supposed to know those characters. I appreciated the aesthetic. Well, it was I the guess. Three Stooges. They were supposed to be the Three Stooges. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it's like perverted versions of them. They had these like creepy, yeah, elongated noses. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, well, it was a throwback to, you know, old-time comedy. Would, would you like to hear any of that? No. But maybe the listeners will like to have an idea. I'd rather you play a bit than have me describe it. Well, okay, so here's just a little bit of how these how these characters talk to each other. Only one way to find out. For like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's not like, good. It's like three prison escapees who are in a dark cavern, and there's a strange man, an actor who I thought I recognized, who dances and then performs a move, and they disappear one by one. He looks like Michael Ironside, but they're oh, literally, yeah, yeah, totally, they're using like Snapchat filters to alter his face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it in was, black and white. We should know it as well. Whatever. That they're was all, all, all stupid. Convict <laughs> uniform. Terrible. All right. So, uh, Elizabeth, anything that stuck out to you, an image you have in your mind? You brought this up. I so. did. And I guess that's unfair to bring it up when you have a, like, to only bring it up because you have one. But so the one is um, 
exes for xylophone there's mm-hmm. the the babysitter kills her young charge because she's playing the xylophone and when the parents get home this babysitter is like tear stained covered in blood and playing the rib cage of the 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 child like a xylophone and it's like i don't know i, I thought didn't like it, it i thought it was pretty gruesome pretty I don't know. It's like, oh, they got X. And they're like, what word starts with X? Xylophone. And then they're like, oh, oh. And then they remember like the itchy and scratchy where like they play their Oh, yes. Like I was going to say, I've seen this before. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, I don't know anything about that, I guess. Also, um, I, I appreciated that as a macabre twist, but I, I, I don't know. Just killing that innocent like angelic little child really i thought was for no much. reason other yeah. than she's depressed the song so she's listening to this song in like a gramophone and i thought it was gloomy sunday otherwise known as the hungarian suicide song but i don't know does anybody know what i'm talking about no did you recognize okay i was like well then maybe that makes sense because i don't understand why she would kill this little girl we don't know her motivations it's mostly wordless i thought like oh maybe she's just seemed like she got sick of hearing the kid play the xylophone that was that was pretty much it i think i guess um she's got a short fuse did anyone have any feelings about v is for vacation that was great i did Uh, have feelings about that i hated it at first but then i kind of liked how fucked up it got by the end we were all feeling some the feels when we watched that what i can say is there's another one that ends in a death where it's like someone just went crazy and killed somebody i um, mean it's two bros on vacation it's all shown from the perspective of one of uh, the girlfriend or wife of one of the guys talking to him on skype so we see this all from the point of view of his computer and he's like oh yeah we're you know just taking it easy you know having a chill vacation it turns out they have a shitload of booze and drugs and hookers and the guy's friend is actually kind of a psycho who starts trying to fuck everything up. But then the hookers kill. The one hooker goes crazy. Or the, the one hooker, yeah, kills the two guys. But I mean, it's it a was, crazy visual. She's just butt naked. Stabbing. stabbing with, the, a with a screwdriver. <laughs> it was intense. It was yeah. Intense. It, was a, it, was, it felt like an old school like exploitation thing in four yeah, minutes I guess via I'm Skype. just easy to amuse. R is for roulette was very good. Oh, Very yes. well made. Yeah, short, I, the creepy ending. I Twist ending. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. I didn't really like it. So, Why? What was the purpose of all that? I well, so there's um, there's three people. It's a it's a man, his wife, and another man. I don't know what his relationship is. Um, black and white. They're in a basement. Speaking they're, Russian. Uh, speaking Russian. Yeah, that's right. And they're they're playing roulette and um, Russian roulette. Russian, Russian roulette. roulette. Um, so they're passing the gun around. When's it going to go off? Yeah, just playing roulette. It's <laughs> having a great old time gambling in the basement. They're playing Russian roulette, and when it becomes clear that the husband is the one who is going to die, he's got the bullet is in the next chamber, he shoots his wife. And immediately you're like, what the fuck is going on? Well, it turns out it's an act of mercy because there's some sort of malevolent force upstairs. Like zombies or something. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like some sort of like Lovecraftian howl from beyond going on Oh, is that what was going on? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And I I got the impression that there was only one bullet in the gun. Well, I mean, there was only one bullet in the gun, but like the other two were, the people who survived were going to be like gruesomely murder exactly i'm just a sucker for russia roulette scenes in general yeah those are always heart-wrenching this short made me want to (laughs) play i had a dream about it last night and i woke up thinking about russian roulette it's probably the ultimate thrill and while i while we were talking about this short i imagined the four of us playing it on air i mean we could between the four of us we could spend (laughs) 90 dollars to go to cedar point or we could play Russian roulette and have just as much thrill for free. <laughs> and then we could go 
to Cedar Point cheaper because one of us would be dead. Yeah, but one of us would have to be a single rider. <laughs> <laughs> you guys really thought this through. You know, I if I can jump in, I have two more that I really like that I want to discuss briefly, and then maybe we can talk about what didn't work. Yeah. Um, so, Asses for Split, I thought was one of the most artfully <gasps> made films in here. So, yeah. this is Love that. Um, mm. split screen. Man is on the phone with his wife. Uh, she's just getting out of bed. Intruder comes to the home. So we're seeing, first it's the screen is just split down the middle and we're seeing his perspective and hers, or not their perspective, but we're seeing him talking the phone. We're seeing her talking the phone. There's a knock at the door or the doorbell rings. So then we get a third screen pop up that is the door. She goes down to try and answer it. And whoever's on the other side won't reveal who they are. Well, it turns out it's an intruder and the screen keeps splitting in these really artful ways as the, as the tension escalates and the woman is killed her baby is killed so it's revealed that the uh, so the the intruder pulls off her mask and it's kind of a fun reveal that it's a woman i don't know why you just don't expect that but um in in movies like this and she asks the husband where's my husband he's in a hotel on like business or something the camera pans on his split screen to reveal that her husband is like naked in bed and they're having an affair the two husbands are the two husbands are having an affair I did think it was artfully made. I I thought the use of split screen was very inventive. It was it was a great use of split screen because that can just be a gimmick sometimes, and it was very nicely done. I hated how exploitative it was. I just if you're gonna kill a kid, there's got to be a really good reason for it. It's kind of like the xylophone thing for me. I didn't like that. I thought the twist with it being a woman, I, even it being two gay guys, felt exploitative in the wrong way. Like, oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I felt like it was handled with grace. I mean, we don't ah. see the kid get killed. Mm. I like the split screen effect. For a movie like this, I'm not looking for like a complete piece of art. I, like, I thought it was like pro- like this director showed promise. I think like especially the way the screen the director sort of inter- sure the way the screens were integrated and everything. I don't know. It was pretty thrilling to me. I liked it. Not one of my absolute favorites, but we'll say an honorable mention. I did enjoy it, but I'm I'm with Patrick. I think mostly on the ending and. What was the other one you had in mind, Steve? Uh, I think one of the craziest ones on here, and I, I loved it, and I can't even say why, a W is for Wish. So two boys are in like an 80s He-Man-esque yes! toy commercial, and they find themselves... I forgot about this one. I did too, and I don't know why, because it is just nightmarish. Yes. So Dude, the, it's so great, the, though. So the boys find themselves in this like Masters of the Universe-esque world, except it's like brutally violent and realistic. <laughs> yeah, and, like, no, everything. but it starts with one of those like 80s TV commercials right. where it's like the close-ups of the action figures and you it's know like fantasy man can solve all the problems in the world of zord yeah and then it cuts the cute little boy being like take that blah 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 and then they all of a sudden like are in no, one of magically wish it, it one was of them like says, a, i wish we could really be in the world of zord oh right like it's dialogue <laughs> in the commercial and they yeah. get sucked in and when they enter the world of zord this was the hilarious part they get into the world of zord and they're like yeah the world of zord but then they see like fantasy it's man's like, allies are like we're getting fucked up up out here, and like yeah. Zorb is just like mowing down it's like the a total destruction. <laughs> Fantasy Man is like old as fuck and just in, was, he like calls the boy red. a princess. Yeah, he's like in red satin underpants. It was like a Perry Fellow Bible Ship cartoon. If you've ever read that web comic, oh, but that's basically you know. All right, well, maybe someone out there has, and they'll appreciate that reference. Yeah, I mean that last stretch of films is pretty fucking sick. Like W for Wish, and then I mean Xylophone. I'm not I so like big it. on, but I mean, it's, it's atmospheric. Utopia it's was memorable. really good too. That reminded us of Black Mirror in a bad way. 
I, bad way? My, my note was like a shitty Black Mirror episode. <laughs> I mean, oh. I didn't think it was shitty. I thought it just reminded me of Black Mirror. My two favorites were Deloused and Q is for Questionnaire. I oh. loved Q is for Questionnaire. I, I didn't like that one. Oh, you guys are wrong. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's pretty simple. So basically, describe it's simple. It well done. It's basically a guy and he's taking like an IQ test on the sidewalk. Just at one of these like pop up test your intelligence tents. And he's acing it. And as he's acing it, the film is intercut with the same character later on, like tied to a table, Getting having a non-consensual brain surgery. And then at the end, they just take his brain out and they put it into a gorilla. And the gorilla is like, yeah. <laughs> It just felt dumb to me. I'm sorry. It was just stupid. <laughs> I loved it. Plus, I I don't know. I uh, I guess I appreciate the fact that they intercut his fate with like the innocent questionnaire, but it also just all felt very kind of pat and like tension free to me because of that. Yeah, it was tension free. It was hilarious. I really yeah. liked I, the opener. I enjoyed. Yeah, that a was is, good. A is for amateur. It was it was good. Yeah. They just have like an assassin creeping through the vents of a building to take someone out. And they show him doing it super successfully. They show him like in his planning stage. In his planning yeah. stage and like envisioning how it's gonna go. And he kills this his target easily. And it's super slick. It's like a music video. Yeah. At first I was like, what is this? A music video? But no, it's like his super cool fantasy of yeah. him being a sweet ass assassin. And then when he actually does it, like everything goes wrong. And he ends up dying in the vent. And then, like, three weeks later, though, they're, like, in the apartment, and this guy, his target, is like, oh, what's that fucking smell? (laughs) And, like, there's guys, like, looking around the apartment, and they pull this body out of the vent, and it falls, and the gun that he was holding goes off and still shoots his target in the neck. (laughs) I don't Uh, know. That was a good one. I liked it. Punchline A for amateur. Yeah. It just... I thought it was fun. That was one of the best punchlines in the movie, too, I think. Yeah. Because it was clear... It felt like it was going to be A for assassin. Yeah, for sure. For for sure. So, yeah. Do we want to talk about our least? Yeah, so what were the stinkers here, guys? Besides... P is for scary, <laughs> which yeah. I never want to think about. Um, after the, this episode. the inheritance Jesus. one was fucking terrible. Invincible. The old ass lady with the stone in her mouth. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. I, L for Legacy, the Nigerian one, was just like you know. I watched it twice, and I actually read an interview with the director too, because I was like, well, this is another culture. Yeah. No, it's just a poorly made film. It's the story on paper makes sense, and it is a Nigerian legend, right? But that's what I it figure. just looks like it was made in someone's backyard with like a '90s camcorder. It's just like very unevenly paced, and yeah. difficult to tell what's happening. Yeah, and like really, regardless of what culture you are from, you still need to like make your plot clear. So. I'm still willing to cut that one some slack, but what I'm not willing to cut slack was E for Equilibrium. What anybody, one was that? That was the oh, Desert Jesus, Island one. Oh, Jesus, like a beer commercial. Oh, yeah. that It's so, so stupid. Bad. And that's the one that has like the most farts out of anything else in this movie. Two friends, two male friends are stranded on a desert island. A woman washes up on the shore. Fucked up love triangle develops. You think one of the guys is going to kill the... Uh, the other guy and they end up killing the woman and then it's just like everything is chill and they're back to being bros again and then the well, punchline. They, they had written send help on the yeah. sand and rocks and then they changed it to send beer. And then the punchline <laughs> is E for equilibrium. That was fucking stupid. That was stupid. Fuck Bros off. before hoes. Yeah. Shit man. Jesus Christ. Never mind. I'm sure that guy whoever did that has a 
rich career directing Bud Light commercials now. I think like the other one that's on the level with uh, PPP Scary. I don't even want to say the title. It just uh, I'm getting a headache thinking about it. G is for Granddad. Oh my God! Yeah. What the fuck? Patrick loves you know, that. I kind of liked you know, it. There I liked was a it. there was a funny there were a couple of funny lines in it. Um, it was like the one I got I'm this in Chad. It. It's for opening mollusks, and I'm loving it. <laughs> like, what? So and then he's like talking to himself in the mirror, and he's like, "Yeah, I love my necklace." It's made of gold. It will look great around your tit, love. <laughs> He's like talking to himself in the mirror. <laughs> right. So what's yeah. happening is like this this twenty something man uh, with great hair is drinking brandy with his grandpa cognac. apparently he's like a cognac that's right and he, he's anyway they're they're just kind of hanging out i don't know why he's there why he's staying there he's been living with his granddad for like a year uh he goes to bed and he's like kind of bitching to himself about how lame his grandfather is well then it's revealed that his grandfather has been sleeping <laughs> in the same bed with him in this little perfectly grandpa shaped cutaway in the mattress and he's wearing the same red speedo and gold chain as his grandson the grandpa gets up is basically like and some of the most insane dialogue I've ever heard is basically like, I hear you bitch about me all the time and you're ungrateful, et cetera, et cetera. He pulls out this little like finger pin thing that's for opening mollusks and stabs <laughs> his grandson in the neck. And then it's revealed, or maybe before that, it's revealed that his grandfather doesn't have a penis, which makes me wonder, how does he have a grandson? <laughs> What's yeah, the line? He's like, there's nothing to see. There's, what does he say? There's nothing to... I don't know. There's some one-liner he has. He says, when he I think but then he like, pulls down his pants and, and it, it zooms in, in on his pubic hair above his like dickless crotch. It's it was so weird and random that I I actually kind of loved it. I do want to give a shout out to the Israeli one. F is for falling. Um, it was pretty simple, but I I, I don't know. I mean the um, the. I just thought it was cool because it's a female woman in from the Israeli army. A female woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a female soldier who gets who's stuck in the tree because her parachute landed in a tree. I have to stop looking at Steve during these casts. <laughs> it was. I don't know. I just thought that she was good and the premise was interesting. I don't know. I liked it. Maybe I just liked the lady. No, it was I good. Thought that it was, was really well made. And it's yeah. like the only film. Well, there might be another one, but it's like one of the only films in this that aspires to something more than just like a punchline. Yeah, it's a, it's very political and um and very well written directed it features um there are two shorts in this that feature like a woman's like a woman suffering a severe calf injury from falling Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that's pretty gruesomely depicted yeah i just thought that was good that one was weird to me because we've talked before about how we don't want to discuss whether a movie's horror or not on the podcast because there's a lot that falls under the horror banner and if it's on horror if it's on netflix and in the horror category fuck it we're not going to talk about it but that one was weird to me because it didn't feel like horror it just felt like your standard like oscar nominated short film that's about like understanding or lack thereof between peoples of the world who are in in conflict well with one that's another. a good point because this i don't think this uh film aspires to be a horror compilation it just kind of happens to be for the most part but you're right there's nothing that says these have to be just about death death. it's just about death (laughs) and death for most people is a horrific experience but you have a profound statement (laughs) (laughs) death is a horrific experience for most people you know okay here's one this is maybe the one i'm most on the fence about is the i forget the letter now but it's it's the the gaten Gay Satan. J J is for Jesus oh, yeah. or Jesus, I guess, uh, perhaps. How did everyone feel about that? I didn't think it worked. I thought that's a cool premise that like, oh, the 
the haters are actually the demons and not the gay dude. Look, but if, like, I didn't really understand what was going on by the end of it. If you're going to be using that kind of big imagery, I think that you need to deliver a bigger punch. Like, if you're going to have a man who becomes Jesus on the cross... Like, you can't fit that into a three-minute film. <laughs> I don't think he became <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, no, he had the stigmata. He did, yeah, but I, I mean, don't know he, that he was and then, Jesus. And then the, the gay lover who is murdered uh, comes back from hell. Or Presumably heaven. or I don't something. Know. I hope that's not what you look like in heaven. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know which one. He's one know. of the five people you meet in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Gaten. Oh, <shit>. Gaten. <laughs> I don't know though. I loved I loved the dead lover coming back from wherever he came from. To I, it was weird, but I I kind of liked it. it. It felt pretty righteous, and the visuals were creepy when the dead lover came back. What do you guys think of B is for Badger? I loved it. It was fine. It was. I would agree with Chris again. It was fine. I love well Patrick at least knows. I love Julian Barrett. Can't get enough of him. He's so fucking charming and hilarious. And this just was like I feel like I've seen this before. It's another sort of like stupid found footage short where, like, well I guess the premise is so he's doing like he's he's a nature documentarian or a host at least. He's like who has David it in for Attenborough. Written. Yeah, he has it in for <laughs> David Attenborough. They have like a, a grudge or something, and he's doing this short about this like five hundred year old badger den that is in danger or has been wiped out extinct by a power plant a nuclear plant yeah Yeah, and it turns out oh there is actually at least one giant badger in there that like pulls him in rips him apart and then his body comes like flying out from (laughs) the other two parts (laughs) it was just it was stupid and funny funny. and it's all one take I should say it appears to be one take yes it appears to be obviously it's not but it it aspires to that like found footage this is a three minute little bit of video shockingly one of the only found footage films in the whole movie i can't even think are there other found footage vacation well, vacation vacation is kind yeah of... skype but surprisingly oh, i mean well, especially for the, something really liked, this low budget and i can't remember what letter it is um because i keep wanting to say it's convergence but it's nexus ne- nexus um oh. that starts with them facetiming oh, right. each other right. i really so like that's that just one. the beginning of yeah found footage, but yeah yeah I liked. I thought that one was kind of cute. I mean, even though even though it's a horrific ending, like that's like a perfect little like I want to watch that short every. Yeah, Halloween. it was cute. I, I did mean, like that it involved a topless Bride of Frankenstein. My yeah, new that fetish. Was nice. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That get, that like had the best build up for me. You, I love. You it. know something so bad's gonna happen. Yeah, but then there was no twist. It's like they telegraphed it for so long that. It well, wasn't so interesting long. when it happened. Like two okay, minutes, dude, it was like but, three minutes. So long. But you're right, because like, you know, like, oh, he's going to get hit. But like, when and where and how. And yeah, like, that was kind of dull involved. to me. Yeah. I just thought it was cute. I mean, I like like the, I mean, even though it's morbid, like when the little kid in the skeleton costume dies and his like, you see his like candy, like spraying across the ground and like the sound effects are great. It just evoked Halloween for me. Guys, T is for torture porn. No, not a fan. No, not a fan. Not no. a fan. No one? No, it's another one where it's like the ending is, oh, she went crazy and killed everybody. Yeah, but it was a very incoherent montage. I I didn't like it. If it had been more coherent at the end, it would have been fine. It's it's a woman who's like shooting her first porn or is auditioning to do porn, and there's these just disgusting, like lecherous men who are on the camera crew and you know take off your top you know let me stick my fingers in your mouth all this shit and then they suddenly realize that she may have or has a dick and all of a sudden just shit goes crazy and she's attacking them she's with an her alien. like is she an alien dumb 
she's attacking them with her multi-tentacle dick thing and like dicks are going in these guys mouths and i don't know i, Steve, I just enjoyed the tell me you thought the it was over the dumb. top humor of that i thought it was pretty dumb Good. uh did you guys know there's a post credit sequence <laughs> why do you need movie? steve to tell yeah, you yeah i dumb. saw it was dumb too it's really dumb but it's a oh, guy it's that. a guy trying to jerk off to the torture porn short and like then the penises come out and he's like i can't wait to this <laughs> and like fuck freaks that out. yeah it's like five seconds hilarious but, all right well, well, I, well, I think we just ran through the entire ABC. Just about. <laughs> so, just pretty about. much, you know, and not as many ones that I hated as I expected there to be when you really look at the list. I think it just kind of largely bored me. I'm sorry you had that experience. I was pretty much delighted all the way through. I was pretty bored until that last stretch. I think, like, the last five or six films are... There's, like, one clunker in there, but... It was a lot of fun. I finally, I was like, thank God I waited through this entire film. And that's the joy of an anthology movie. You don't know what you're going to get and when you're going to get it. Well, mm-hmm. that's the joy of watching every horror movie on Netflix. You don't know yeah, what you're going to get or when you're going to get it. <laughs> Actually, you know exactly what you're going to get and when you're going to get it. You just don't know how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, with that said, next week... What are we going to get? You're going to get American Poltergeist. One number one. We're, we're going to watch two of these. We will be watching two of them before all is said and done, unless there is a miracle of Netflix uh, lineup changes. or up, uprising in the ranks. Wait, oh. there are two American Poltergeists. Yeah, yes. buddy. And are they sequential yes. on Netflix? Yeah. So join us next week, <sighs> and we will be talking about American Poltergeist. <laughs> Can't wait. Woo-hoo. We'll see if Steve makes it to number two. We'll see two. if we have all four of us by American Poltergeist. I'm too. so upset by that news. You have no idea. <laughs> well, don't forget. Don't forget. You know, in the meantime, check us out online. Every horror movie on Netflix.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Amoncast. And uh, you know, send us a letter. Send us a review. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Troll us. Send, troll us if you want. We'll troll you back. Send us some. Uh, send <laughs> us some. Send us some coffee mugs if you want. We could use some more. We send us t-shirts. T-shirts, coffee mugs. We want to own nothing that's not every horror movie on Netflix branded by the end of this. It's getting and cool. we don't. I could use and some we don't want to pay for any of it. We're not paying for any <laughs> yeah. of it. It's all on you guys to buy it for you us. Look, we are, are. We spend a lot of personal time watching these movies. For for you that's our payment yeah yeah, like, yeah you do can something all, you all for us. be a little more grateful yeah <laughs> jesus yeah jeez all right well until then have a great week for every horror movie on netflix i'm chris i'm patrick i'm elizabeth i'm steven <laughs> <laughs> and catch you later <laughs> oh man that was subtle <laughs> it stuck up on me